There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm Gino Retta. You know, I've spent over four decades working in the game, fortunate enough to meet some of the legends of the game, saw them come into the league, watched them shine in the game, and now they've moved on to life after hockey. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. Today's legend, a three-time Stanley Cup champion with three different organizations, World Championship gold, World Junior gold, 22 seasons in the NHL with seven different teams inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2017. Our guest today is Mark Racky. Mark, great to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's great to see you as well. You look good. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the Crave. Download the 7Now delivery app and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave crushers to your door almost before you can say, Fuel me up, Sev. You know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.99, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7. The last time you and I hung out was... Uh induction weekend where you get to interact with the fans and the legends game and all that kind of stuff. And, um, it was a fun weekend, man. I mean, it's now how many years is it now? It's like five six years, years six years ago. Six, coming on six years. Yeah. Crazy. What was that whole experience like for you? Oh, it was incredible. That was such an amazing weekend. Um, you know, the, everything to do with it, just, you know, seeing the other legends and, and being around there and, and, um, you know, the whole week and having your family and your friends. And I mean, it's just, you can't describe how special it is to, to be around that uh, group of people. And, you know, and just the whole, they do such an amazing job with it. It's uh, just a fun thing. And then, you know, obviously the night, you know, the Maple Leafs always play on that, that night. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool getting out there and, and um, you know, being recognized. It's, it's so cool to be able to talk to you and kind of look back because obviously I, I was fortunate enough to see your entire NHL career and see you, the accomplishments you did, the cups you won. I was on the ice in 06 when you won with Carolina and yeah. 11 with Boston when you had the surprise <laughs> retirement announcement, yeah. which was something off the rails. We'll talk about that in a few yeah. minutes. <laughs> but you're number 13 all time in the, the points list and the goal scoring list from a guy who went undrafted, what was that like? That, like, you're such a great story of two things that I think I want to talk about today. How, how immediate impact you had on franchises when you moved, and you moved a lot. And secondly, your incredible story of perseverance. What was it like for you when you're a kid playing junior and you get bypassed in the draft and you're like, holy crap, this is what I've dreamt about. It may never happen. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was obviously lots of that. And, you know, I, you know, I kept hearing the size thing. And then I even heard at one point I couldn't skate. And I said, man, if they, some guys don't think I could skate, I'm really in trouble. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was one of my better, better qualities. So I could skate. So, um, but it was, you know, it was frustrating at the time, but I had great people around me. I, you know, great coaches and junior and, and, you know, that are always 
helping me and pushing me and and you know they just they kept me positive and and they you know uh you know they they talked a lot about hey you're if you just got to get a chance and once you get a chance you got to make the best of it how did that end up coming together because i've actually never asked you this story i'm i'm surprised i surprised myself i never asked this story how did the I, I know the scouts the pens had a scout in the dub back then how did that all finally come together where where the pens finally said yeah i mean we're going to give this guy a shot we're going to give this guy a chance yeah well they did draft me in the fourth round in yeah. that year in 88 and bruce harlson was the scout and he used to come around all the time he actually tried to get me to camp the year before yeah. um you know but the rules back then they weren't you weren't allowed yeah. to go to camp so it was a little different than now and uh you know they brought me he drafted me he was you know he was waiting to draft me and and he kept telling me that it's going to happen it's going to happen and and uh you know i got there and and it did it was it, it came to came true and and it was awesome and uh the only thing on draft day is mario left the table after the third round i was like watching him it's <laughs> <was> like darn <laughs> your relationship with mario was crazy yeah. i mean you you didn't get a uh you know in, in your rookie season, you get a chance out there in your first, I mean, you only played one game in your very first year, but then in your first full rookie season, the impact you make, and this is my whole theme of today, I want to talk on this podcast mm-hmm. about the impact. You make the impact right away. Your first two years at the club, you got 30 and 40 goals. You had 70 goals on a Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Penguin organization that included Yager and Mario Lemieux and Paul Coffey. I mean, at that point, you say, I knew I had this. I knew I could do this. Yeah, definitely at that point. And I actually had a really good year the year before in, in, in the minors. So, you know, I and then I got a little taste. And then the second year I got sent down right at the start. And um, I kind of went down and I lit it up down in Muskegon and said, I don't, you know, I basically told them I don't belong here anymore and get me up here. And, and I was very fortunate. They called me up and it just kind of took off from there. So then in the 91 season, Mario's not there because he's had the back surgery. So you step up 113 points in the 91 season. Like what was that like in that year, man? Well, I was, it was, I mean, you know, he was, Mary was in and out of the lineup and, yeah. and you know, out for long stretches. And then, you know, I was very fortunate to play with uh, John Collin and Kevin Stevens. We kind of, the three of us just hit it off and it just led to big things. And, you know, we kind of, you know, we all had great years and, um, you know, Colin got traded for Ronnie Francis at the deadline. It just shows you how good a player Colin was as well as uh, as Ronnie. As they they can get traded for each other, but you know it was just it was just a, a dream year, and you know it just continued on to the playoffs after that. And and you know when you're playing with special players, like you said, we I mean, there was I mean you got Brian Trache as all you know Brian Trache, uh, Larry Murphy. I mean the, the list goes down of the, yeah. the players. Kevin, you know you know I talked about Kevin Stevens just the. Joey Mullen, you know, people can't forget him. He's another Hall of Famer. It's like the number of players there to help and support, uh, you know, all the young guys. There, there were some great veterans there that really helped helped me, and it was it was fun to be part of. It's funny you mentioned Brian Trotz and Larry Murphy. I've had both Trotz and Murph on this show talking about it, and you could talk about the same Stanley Cup final and the same Stanley Cup title to different guys at different points in their career, and it means vastly different things for them. Which, which is amazing for you. You're just a kid. You're stepping into this surrounded by some pretty amazing hockey legends. Yeah. What, what was that experience like when you find, when it finally culminates and you go, man, 
I've only been in the NHL for two years, and I'm celebrating the Stanley Cup with Mario Lemieux. It's unbelievable. I mean, you never, you, you don't, it's things you dream of, you you know, when you're playing street hockey as a kid and, and yeah. you guys are, were playing for the Stanley Cup. I mean, it was, it was just incredible. I mean, Mario's such a special guy and a special person. And, um, you know, he's still, he's one of the classiest guys that have been around. And, and uh, yeah, but so to have that and then, you know, I, it was a side story. I, you know, Trotter was, uh, he was my favorite player growing up and, I got sat between him and Joey Mullen and it was awesome. I mean, they couldn't ask for two better, two better guys to be in. And, and Badger Bob was the coach at the time, yeah. you know, that year we won. And, and, uh, you know, I'd be sitting there and I would, I would never, they'd be talking and, and trots especially and be talking and we'd be sitting there and then I'd see Badger Bob go by and I'm like, I got to get on the ice. And I, but I don't want to leave because he's getting, you know, they're sitting there talking to me. And so I'd come, I'd run out to the ice <laughs> And then Badger Bob, but Badger Bob never said a word because, you know, he'd walk by us and he'd see me sitting there with those two guys. So, you know, it was pretty special times. I, I've heard you tell the story and I kind of, I want to hint at it because I'd rather you tell it about the fact you can't make a bad pass to Mario Lemieux. <laughs> tell us about yeah, that. Absolutely not. I remember it, Madison Square Garden, um, I threw this bomb of a pass. It, I mean, I ripped it. It was about three feet high. He bats it out of the air and skates in breakaway goal. And I said, well, get to the bench. Hey, great pass, eh? (laughs) (laughs) But you really could not make a bad pass to Mario Lemieux. It was unbelievable how uh, great he was. (laughs) We're in conversation with three-time Stanley Cup champion Mark Recchi, Hockey Hall of Famer. This is the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. Um, There is something else that Mario passed on to you, not only championship titles, but a love for wine. For those who don't know, <laughs> wine uh, Mario's probably got the single best wine cellar in the history of mankind. Three, uh, you know, <laughs> once you get past the 1300s, we don't get into the specifics of his wine cellar, but it's the whole format, the structure of it's spectacular, the wines he's got in there. But was it is it a curse or a gift what he did for you when it comes to loving of wines? Uh, it's a gift, but it's an expensive gift <laughs> for sure. But it, it's it, it's awesome. Yeah, we just you know we'd all get in, we'd get on the road and and you know we always went to dinners together. We, you know, would be 10, 15 guys. We'd always be out for dinner and yeah. and uh, you know I just started kind of tasting it with them and and it was always good stuff. You never had to worry about that. So mm-hmm. I kind of got spoiled right off the bat. So I you know that wine wasn't I'm coming a, in boxes, Rick. No, it was not. So I can honestly say I'm a wine snob, and I'm going to blame Mario. So. That's all his fault. <laughs> so through your stint at that point, you would come back to the to the Pens later. But through your stint at that point, it was a brief one because then you you get traded to the Philadelphia Flyers. And again, immediate impact. You get on the Crazy Eights line with Brent Fettick and, and Eric Lindros. And you have 123 points in that year. It's still a Philadelphia Flyer franchise record for a single season in scoring. What was that experience like? Um, Philly, Philly was great. I mean, obviously I went from a team that was winning the Stanley Cup to a team that was kind of trying to rebuild. So it was a yeah. whole different, another world. And, uh, but you know, Mr. Snyder and the fire organization was terrific. Uh, Bobby Clark and, uh, you go down the list and it was, it was great. We had some great teammates, obviously, you know, we get a chance to play with Eric Windrose was, uh, pretty awesome as well. And, and our line clicked again and it just kind of, you know, all just kept going and, you know, I ended up, you know, uh, I, you know, there's kind of side note. I played 84 games. Clark, he only played 80. So 
Uh, <laughs> you might have still got me if you got those four games. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And then you had a stint with the Habs. I mean, you got to play for some legendary organizations. I think you made the playoffs three years during that time, but it wasn't a great time in the Habs organization, was it? What was your experience, your memories like of the Habs organization at that point? Yeah, it was, you know what, Montreal, I'm so thankful I got to play there. I've got to be honest with you. I absolutely loved it. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a story franchise in hockey and it's incredible. Um, but yeah, there was, it was, there was a lot going on. Um, yeah. You know, it started that, you know, that with uh, Patrick, obviously Patrick Wan and, yep. and then Serge getting let down and Rajon Ull coming in and yeah. the coaching changes and then more coaching changes. And it was, yeah, it was a little bit of, of troubling times, but you know, we tried to make the best of it. I mean, you're playing yeah. in a special place and, and wanted to work hard and, and, uh, try and, and, uh, you know, make the fans proud. And, and it was, uh, such a great, uh, great honor. I got, to, I was able to play in the, the old form and then move to the new, new arena as well, which was, which was an amazing night, uh, you know, closing down the old one. I can tell you that. What was that like? I mean, I just, I mean, I grew up as a, I'll be honest with you. I grew up as a Habs fan, you know, Jean Belvo was my hero as a kid and, the games in the forum and I still sometimes when I go back to Montreal you'll find the old seats from the forum they're kind of spread out throughout the whole city kind okay. of like you know a shrine to the organization what was that like getting to play in the final game there it, amazing I mean it, when you saw all the guys on the ice I mean I was just looking around going what the heck is this this is like this is like this is incredible this is like anybody's yeah. hockey dream right here to go out here with all these you know, um, ex-Montreal players and, and our Montreal, you know, Canadian players. It was a really, yeah, legends, absolutely. And it was a spe it was such a neat night. And then, you know, going to play the first game in the other building and starting that, uh, try and start a new, you know, a new foundation, a new base, and, you know, hopefully, you know, make them proud. From that, which I love your resiliency and the way you kind of bounce back, you, you end up uh, back in pit. And they ask you to waive your no trade in March of 06. And for those who know the hockey years, you know what happened, what was happening that, at that point. So you're at the deadline and they, they ask you to waive and they want to send you to Carolina. I mean, it was your choice. You had the option. What, what was going through your mindset and the whole decision process deciding that? Well, it was, you know, I, it, you know, you dream of playing for Stanley cups and, and, yeah. you know, we weren't going to make the playoffs and, you know, I, um, Craig Patrick is a good friend of mine now as well. And, and, you know, I, I wanted to help out the organization as well. And hopefully they could get a, you know, a piece or a draft pick and, and to help them. And, yeah. you know, and then I can figure out, you know, after that, but, you know, Craig, you know, Craig and I were, we talked a lot about it. We, you know, he kept communicating with me and, and it came down to two teams. And I told him, I said, don't tell me, just pick the team that you want me to go to. So, and, and wow. uh, he did. He said, and that, and he told me. He says, I really believe you're going to win the Stanley Cup with Carolina. It was, uh, you know, he he said that to me, and and uh, you know, uh, so like, all right, awesome. And then we go and do it, and you know, pretty pretty cool. That was amazing. What was that like for you? Because you 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 were barely there for a cup of coffee, yet you made a huge impact. Obviously, they said this this is a piece we need to put us over the hump. And it worked out for them. It doesn't always work out for teams where guys bring somebody in like that and it rattles up the, the team chemistry, but it just absolutely clicked. And that town was nuts. It was crazy <laughs> for that cup final. It was so much fun. I mean, they, they were, I mean, they're tailgating. It was like a football game. They were tailgating yeah. from nine in the morning till, till game time. It was, uh, 
incredible atmosphere and, and a lot of fun to be part of. You had some milestones along the way, some pretty amazing milestones um, in points and goals. You hit number 500 uh, in January of 2007. I know you're all about the Cups and you keep winning the Cups. <laughs> now at this point, you've yeah. already won two Cups. But there's got to be something magical about, I mean, there's certain milestones as for a hockey player. Uh, playing 400 games is a huge milestone. It's a major accomplishment. Scoring your first 100 goals, and then you hit the 500-goal plateau, which so few guys in the history of the NHL have done. What was that like for you? It, it was really, it was incredible. I mean, um, you know, I was in Dallas, and actually it was a father's trip. My dad was supposed to come. He was he was actually spending the winters in Arizona at the time, and he was supposed to come over to Dallas to meet, and he stayed, and he says, well, I don't think he's going to get it. Uh I don't think it gets one of his regrets now. So he, he always kicks himself now. But uh, yeah. but anyways, yeah. So I got the first one in 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 Dallas, and then you know I was fortunate to get the the five hundred. And the really neat thing about it was the response in Dallas. Like the the people were unbelievable there. How they you know they gave me a standing ovation. They could put it on the board, and it was pretty special. It was pretty special. And and to hang out with all the players, we had a good couple of days after that. Um, before before the Arizona and after the Arizona game. So it was uh, really enjoyed it. It's funny because as I'm talking to you about this, I keep talking about when you're dealt, when you're moved, when you're dealt, when you're moved, that it's almost always the trade deadline. Do you still get PTSD around the trade deadline time? <laughs> I mean, I know. You got moved a lot, man. Yeah, trust me, it's coming up now. I'm like, excuse me, can't trade me now, can they? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, there was, there was a few. And obviously... You know, a couple of them were my decision, but, uh, yeah. you know, people that wanted to move and, and you know, or, or and they let the team, you know, make that decision. So, and it was the same with Tampa going to Boston. I, you know, I just thought, yeah, guys, you know, make the decision and I let them make it. And, and that turned out great as well. It's interesting because um, when you, when you went to Boston, when you got traded at the, at the deadline in 09 to the Bruins, you were pretty vocal about the fact that that summer in July, when you signed the one-year deal, you said, that's it. This is going to be my final year. You know, why did you feel that that was important? Obviously, it didn't turn out being your final year, and there was some great finish at the end of that. <laughs> but what was it about that at point where you wanted to say that early, like, I got one more year in me and this is it? Yeah. Well, I was just, you know what, it was year by year at that point. And, yeah, I just, you know what, I, I was 41, I guess, at that time. And I was like, man, I don't know how much time I had left in me, but – yeah. You know, after that year and, and how it ended with uh, losing, uh, you know, after being up three nothing, losing four, and I just felt there was something special still there. And and you know, Peter Shirelli and I and uh, Claude and you know, I wanted to make sure that you know it was the right, you know, I was able to help, and I felt yeah. I could help for one more year. I really felt I could go there and and still be a little piece of the puzzle and and help with the group there because we we grew a great bond together. And uh, in a short period of time, went through a lot together in a short period of time. And then I think it just jump started us to, to that final season. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the Crave. Download the 7Now delivery app and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave crushers to your door almost before you can say, fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.99, order a large, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a 2-liter Coke or Pepsi for 
7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7. In conversation with three-time Stanley Cup champion Mark Recchi, this is the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. Uh, I'll get to 2011 in a second, but first in 2010, we talk about milestones. Um, and this is a crazy milestone, 1,500 career points. There's only, at that point, 13 people in NHL history that had reached that plateau. Given the way your humble beginnings, your fourth-round pick to make your way in, you'd been overlooked in the draft, and now you've become one of literally a handful of guys in the history of the league to get 1,500 or better points. What was that like for you? Oh, it's just surreal. I mean, like I would have thought I would, if I could play four or five years in the NHL, I would be lucky. And, you know, yeah. but to be able to, you know, to make, you know, get these accomplishments and it, it just mind boggling to me, I still like sit there and I go, well, I don't even like just went so quick. Number one, it went so quick. And number two, it's like, well, how did I do that? Like, and, you know, it's just, you know, people ask me like, well, how, you know, I don't know. Like I, I just did it. You know, I just loved the game and just kept playing and, and it just kept, you know, going in the net or, you know, puck was going in the net for me. So, um, you know, it was just, it was an unbelievable time. It was in Florida and, you know, it was a, it was a great, got to celebrate with the guys again. And, you know, they got me a cu- couple of nice bottles of, uh, big bottles nice. <laughs> of wine. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you still have them? Or did you oh, open yeah. Them? No, I haven't opened them yet. No. Oh, okay. I just so didn't know if that I was something. To, I might have to. Yeah, I might have to open them. Uh, we're having a reunion. Actually, the Bruins are going to do something. We're going to do something this summer together because of the COVID. We haven't. We weren't able to uh, get together for ten years. So, oh, nice. Together, yeah, that's a great. Oh, something. so you weren't able to celebrate the ten year anniversary. So you're going to do something now. Yeah, we're going to do something this summer. Yeah, with beautiful. The group, so. Beautiful. Yeah, be nice. So let's get to the spring of 2011 now. Um, I'm on the road doing that's hockey on the road, following all you guys down the journey of the Cup final. Now you got Vancouver, the the city goes nuts, everything goes crazy. The Canucks think they've got a shot at this. Um, you're not only a part of the Stanley Cup final, you're 43 years old. You lead the freaking Bruins in scoring. Like I just I like I keep talking about the impact you have, and like not just a part of it. You're you weren't just a hired gun who just kind of came in and filled the void. You actually continued to lead and then you make history in game two of the cup final 43 years old the oldest player ever to score a game in the stanley cup final then you score two more in game three what did it mean to you to feel like i'm not just here at the because you'd already talked about the fact you were ready to retire you made that pretty clear but it wasn't like your game was diminished you were still contributing like this yeah, I mean, it was, I didn't have a very good series against Tampa. I was very fortunate. The teammates kind of drugged me along. And then, uh, you know, I just got, you know, I got, we got to the finals and, and just, you know what, this is, you know, this is, got, I got re-energized and it just, uh, you know, it was fun. I mean, when you, you know, when you're playing with Patrice Bergeron and Marshawn every night too, it should, sure helped me a lot. <laughs> they kind of dragged me along for, for the ride, uh, you know, but I was fortunate to play, you know, to be able to help and that's all I wanted to do is just help whether it was in leadership or, you know, when I get on the ice, make sure I'm, I'm doing the right things. And, and uh, you know, the Bruins were, you know, Claude and the coaching staff and, you know, 
everybody at the Brewers, but they were so good to me and, and they treated me awesome. And so I, you know, it was, it was a nice way to, it was a nice way to go out. I can tell you that. It was, I got to tell you though, you shocked the hell out of me with on the ice though, because where it was my job there to run around the ice and gather sound and reaction to do one-on-ones with guys on the ice and stuff. I still will never forget my interview with big Z because he's still at his skates and I'm in street shoes. And I'm like, this has got to look ridiculous on camera. It's, it's <laughs> Oh my God. He's a monster. He's awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. We actually had him on this, this podcast a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, yeah. and he was so fun to catch up with and stuff. Yeah. And he, and he still, nothing ever changed in him, but whenever we're talking to guys, especially guys like yourself near the end of your career, you, you got to ask the question. You got to ask the question. So what are you thinking? Are you thinking retirement? And 99.9% of the time, the guy says, no, not don't ask me. That's a stupid question. Don't ask me that. Now I'm celebrating with my teammates, but you were only too willing to uh, tell, tell the story of what happened the way that all unfolded. Yeah. Well, just, uh, yeah, I was on the ice and, you know, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was Pierre came yeah. in and, uh, he, he grabbed me and, and just started talking about it. And then, you know, he just, you know, he, he asked me about, he asked that question. And yeah. I just said, now I'm, I'm done. This is, this is it for me. And, um, it's time for me to move on. This is a great way to end. And, uh, you know, we accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. And that's the reason I came back and that's it riding off in the sunset. So no better place for me, like personally growing up in BC, yeah. Um, growing up in Kamloops and, and uh, you know, winning the cup there and um, being able to, you know, have my family and friends there and and uh, no better way to go out. You must sure. have had a lot of family there because the big thing in the cel- the cellies on the ice afterwards is after a little while, after you celebrate with your teammates, you get to bring the family down and celebrate. What was that like? Did you yeah. have a lot of family members there with you? I had a lot of family and a lot of friends there. Yeah, it was uh, incredible. My mom actually was having surgery the next day, so she couldn't, my mom and dad couldn't come down to that. Fortunately, they'd been in Pittsburgh and Carolina. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, they weren't able to make it down, but um, we celebrated in the summer though when we brought it back. So way to go. Where did you take it? Where did you, did you take it to Kamloops? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, what was the day like? Family. What was your day like with the cup there? Uh, it was just, you know, it was a great day. With as it is always, it's just family and friends, and and you know, it just you make the best of it. It's like such a great, fun day, and you know, you just, you know, it's an amazing trophy. I mean, people are in awe of it when they see it, and and um, you know, they've you know they've had a lot. Camelot has had, you know, uh, you know, obviously Daryl Sador lives there. He's won cups, so there's been the cup's been there uh, a number of times, so. Um, you know, the, the, you know, it's, it's just something that you never forget. I mean, it's just, you yeah. know, the pictures now and going back and looking at the pictures, it sure is a fun time and, you know, getting get your friends and everybody, everybody who loves hockey or even they don't love hockey, they see the trophy and they're like, wow, this is yeah. incredible. And they're like, can I pick it up? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Marty Brodeur actually told me a good story on this, this podcast a couple of months ago. And he said, one of the huge, one of the, the most satisfying parts of winning the Stanley cup for him was being able to share it. Cause he said, I knew I was lucky. I knew I was very fortunate. I knew there weren't a lot of guys. There were a lot of guys who dreamt about doing something like this in my family and my friends, and they were never going to get a chance to do this. So it was really important for me to bring them alongside and say, Hey, celebrate with me. Was that, is that a big factor for you too? Absolutely. And that you want the people that are special around you and, and to be able to enjoy what, you know, you're doing. We're, you know, like Marty's bang on, we're very blessed to, 
to be able to win. And, uh, you know, he, he's won three times and, yeah. um, you know, it, it's, it's such an amazing feat and to be able to share it with everybody and your family and your friends is, is the way to go. And that's, you know, all the players are like that and they're very, you know, they're, that's what, you know, they know, you know, the great thing about hockey players is they know what's important to them and, and that's their family and friends and, and, um, your teammates. Speaking of feet, and I'm not going to ask you to lift your foot up and show us, but you got you got a great, uh, unique tat. No one else can have this tat because no one else did this. Tell tell our audience about the tat you've got on your foot. Well, I guess it's your ankle. Yeah, it's it's the Stanley Cup with the the three teams that I you know was fortunate enough to win with, and and um, you know I'm going to add on to it pretty quick. But it, it, you know about ten days after, week after uh, Andrew France had a, his guy that you know Andrew had a few tattoos, and yeah. he brought his guy in from uh, Calgary, and you know he. You know, I, I always wanted, you know, when I retired, I wanted to get something to, you know, uh, significant for, you know, showing me, you know, me playing. And and um, he drew it up and I was like, man, that is bang on. And uh, it's exactly what I want. So uh, it's pretty neat. And, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna do some more. I'm going to get my kids initials and everything around it as oh, well and awesome. stuff like that coming up. So that's awesome. You didn't stay away from the game very long, Rex. I mean, you retired in 11 in 14. You're back. You're living now in Pittsburgh. I should tell our audience that yeah. uh, in 14, you become the, you know, player development coach with the pens. And then you're part of their cup wins in 16 and 17, which, cause you clearly didn't have enough Stanley cups at that point. So you needed <laughs> some more. Uh, and then you're never enough. Yeah. Never enough. Then you become an assistant coach with the pens and an assistant coach with the devils. You haven't done anything since last May. What's next for you? What do you want to do? Well, I think, you know, I, I, the game's been so good. And and actually, this has been, a, it's been a refreshing. I get to spend a lot of time with my family. It gets, you know, I got three older kids who are off in college. So, I, you know, I can go see them a little bit right now. But I'd probably like to get back into management if I could. Like what? And what role? And what do you want? Do you want to scout? Do you want to develop players? I love development. I love player development. Love being part of that process, helping young guys and, and working with young guys. I feel that's where I really, you know, can help organizations. And, you know, that's especially it's so important now. And, you know, within the cap area, you need to develop players and you need to work with them. And I, I really, you know, think that's probably my direction I'd like to go. But you never know. I mean, you never know there's something, maybe a coaching you know, come along again. I'm not really sure. So I'm just kind of, I'm starting to put the feelers out now and, and just to kind of see, you know, get my name back in the hat and, and um, seeing what can happen come moving forward. How much do you like to share the, the fact that the journey that you had, the the whole idea that it required so much perseverance? I mean, is that an important message for you to get out? It is, it is because, you know, there's so many guys and, you know, there's, you know, you know, I wasn't supposed to play in it really wasn't supposed to play in the NHL. And, and, you know, I ended up playing a long time and it just, you know, if you, if you, you know, put your mind to it and you, and you, you know, there's a will, there's a way. And, and, you know, I, I had to work really hard and, and I had to, you know, go over some obstacles like a lot of people do. And, and, um, uh, there was some downtimes, there was some hard times and, you know, there's some failures, there was some success. So, you know, that it's, I think it's important that people know that, you know, you can, you can have some failures, you can go through some tough times, but you know, it's how you handle yourself and, and uh, persevere through it. And, you know, that's, I, I really think that's, you know, a neat thing, especially through, you know, I ended up playing 22 years and, you know, I yeah. cannot even imagine that. I'll tell you, man, I love telling your story. I love yeah. telling your story about how, you know, when guys, there's so many guys who get so rattled 
when they don't get drafted. And it's so easy to bail at that point. I love telling your story uh, of the way you did it. And, and then you just kept proving yourself over and over, not that you needed to, but you kept proving yourself over and over again. It's been great, man. It's been so much fun, Rex, to to share this journey with you and to kind of look back on on all the stuff that's happened. We really appreciate you. You know, I know it's taking your time out of your busy schedule. You got a lot of wine to drink, and I don't want to get between you and your wine. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Been awesome. Great seeing you again, and and uh, you know, thanks for everything. Three times Stanley Cup champion, one of the highest scorers all time in hockey history, Hockey Hall of Famer, Mark Reckon. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot from the oven pizza and wings, pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, and a loaf of bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at OvertimePodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7Now delivery app and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave Crushers to your door almost before you can say, fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.99, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7.